to get away a couple days last weekend. Uh, we got to go to a festival and hear several of our favorite speakers, authors, musicians, some of the artists and leaders of our faith. Um, we also got to reconnect with some old friends and meet some new friends. And so, but it's uh, still good to be back here with you. One of my favorite places to be. I want to thank Debbie. If you were here last week, Debbie uh, did a great job filling in uh, um, and sharing the story. Thank you. <clears throat> Debbie doesn't get enough credit for all she does around here, but uh, without her, we probably wouldn't be existing. So great job. Thank you, Debbie. Um, I want to jump right back into the story we've been telling. Uh, it's a story told through the eyes of a tax collector named Matthew and his retelling of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Debbie left off at the end of chapter 17, and that's where we're going to pick up today. Um, chapter 17, verse 22 is where will be the verses should be on the screen behind me. It says, and I'm going to read from the message version. It says in verse 22, as they were regrouping in Galilee, Jesus told them, the son of man is about to be betrayed to some people who want nothing to do with God. They will murder him, and in three days later, he will be raised alive. The disciples felt terrible. Verse 24, when they arrived at Capernaum, the tax men came to Peter and asked, does your teacher pay taxes? Verse 25, Peter said, of course. So here's the deal. Jesus and his disciples are traveling through the area of Galilee, and they're headed back to the city of Capernaum. Now, this is where Jesus spent most of his time doing ministry. And so they're getting into the city, and these guys are collecting taxes. And so the traditional interpretation of this moment is that this story is involving the temple tax. And the temple tax was a tax that was paid by Israelites and Levites, which would go towards the upkeep of the Jewish temple. It was the two drachma temple tax. In Moses' time, uh, each person over the age of 20 was to give a half shekel offering. It was the equivalent of two Roman um, drachmas. For the support of the tabernacle, that's out of the book of Ezekiel or, or Exodus, I'm sorry. And this is said to be the equivalent of two days' wages of a skilled worker. One thing, real quick, I didn't have this in my notes, but reminded that just Jesus and Peter paid this tax, so which would imply that his other disciples were under the age of 20. So that's an encouragement to those that are that are young and in youth. Um, so, but every uh, but once a year, everyone would pay this tax, right? Um, so the temple could, uh, could make any necessary repairs it needed. Verse 25 says, but as soon as they were in the house, Jesus confronted Peter. He said, Simon, what do you think? When a king levies taxes, who pays? His children or his subjects? So Jesus is asking Peter, if a king is using taxes to support his family, who is he going to get the money from? His family or the people in the kingdom? Like, is he going to tax his own kids to feed his kids? Well, the first thing Peter's got to be like in this moment saying, hey, dude, you got to quit reading my mind, right? That's, that's totally not cool, Jesus, right? And, and, and you can imagine the scene, you know, Jesus is sitting there in the living room. Peter walks in. He's not making eye contact with Jesus, you know. And, and Jesus is like, Peter, you got something on your mind? And he's like, no, I'm good. And Jesus is like, really? Really, Peter? And this is not the first time that he's done this with his people, right? We saw this with the Pharisees a couple times. Jesus was great with reading minds. He would have made the perfect husband, right? Only had to ask, what do you want for dinner one time, right? And they got the answer. Peter answered his subjects. So he answers Jesus' question, his subjects. And Jesus said, then the children get off free, right? 
Well, two things that are going on here. Traditionally, according to the temple tax law, Jewish priests are exempt from this tax, right? Priests wouldn't tax themselves. And so we know Jesus is considered a priest, but he's very different from the other priests that work in the temple. But Jesus would have been exempt from paying this tax. Well, the other thing is that Jesus is pointing back to a conversation that he just had with Peter one chapter ago. In chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, What are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, Some think he is John the Baptizer, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But Jesus pressed them. He said, How about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus came back, said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You did not get this answer from the books or from teachers, but my father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. He says, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. He says in verse 19, and that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to an open uh, any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. A yes on earth is yes in heaven. And no on earth is no in heaven. In other words, he's saying that God's kingdom, there is no tax. There is no cost to enter it. It is freely given. And as sons and daughters of God, we have complete free access to his kingdom. He says the kingdom of God belongs to those who will receive it, not to those who can afford it. In verse 27, but so we don't upset them needlessly. Go down to the lake, cast a hook and pull in the first fish that bites. Open its mouth and you'll find a coin. Take it and give it to the tax men. It will be enough for both of us. Something in my reading this week, I found that, and I don't know if you knew this, but did you know that tilapia was also known as St. Peter's fish? Anybody know that? Anyone want to admit it? Good. I'm the only one that knows it. Now you know. But it's historical biblical evidence would show that, that the tilapia would have been the fish that Peter would have fished out of the, the lake there. So next time you're eating it, you can say that this is the fish that Peter caught, right? Um, it's the story in Matthew. Something even more interesting about this story, though, is that it's the only miracle in Matthew's gospel that is not narrated all the way through. And this is what I mean. We never read how the miracle actually happens. Or if it even happens. Or, or when it happens, right? Jesus just tells Peter what to do. But we don't know if Peter really does it. We don't know if this was some kind of inside joke that maybe Jesus had with the guys. You know, they were fishermen. And so he's like maybe saying to Peter, hey, do what you do best. Go out and fish, catch it, sell it for money, use it to pay the tax. We don't know if it really happened in this way. But the fact that Matthew, who's a tax collector, doesn't go into much detail with the miracle itself. It would seem that he's more interested in, in, in the focus on the conversation that Jesus has with Peter. And so that's what I want to focus on the next couple of minutes. What point was Jesus making here? If he wanted to just provide money, why do it like this, right? If he wanted to prove that he was God and that he could just make money appear, why would he send Peter down to fish, right? I mean, he could have just went, Peter, come here. What's, what's that behind your ear? 
right? Oh, look what I got. I mean, he could have done that, right? Why? Why the work to go down to the lake? Well, maybe it was Jesus' way of saying, hey, look, I got this. I will provide for you, but you're going to have to do some work too, right? How many of us have sat around just waiting for the miracle to happen, right? Kind of waiting for that fish to grow some legs and walk into your path, right? What do you know how to do, Peter? I know how to fish. Okay, go down to the water, catch some fish, sell them, use that money. It took Peter doing what he knew how to do and then trusting that God would do more with it. And that's what we do each week here as a community. We give each week saying, God, take this and do more with it than I ever could. Well, another part of this, and I think the more important piece to the story is the fact that Jesus he paid the tax, right? He just said that we were exempt, that he is the son of God, that he is a priest, and he didn't have to pay this tax, but he paid it anyways. And what did he mean when he said, we don't needlessly need to upset them? Well, there are times in our faith, in our religion, that being right is not always the most important thing. And that's the gospel, right? That Jesus, he laid down his rights, he gave of himself freely, and then he invited us to do the same. You see, Jesus knew that he was going to die in the next few days. He just told his disciples that. Jesus knew that the temple was going to be totally destroyed in a few years. In fact, he was on his way to Jerusalem and he was going to flip tables over in the temple. Jesus wasn't investing in the temple. It wasn't about that. See, he was on his way to give his life. And he wasn't willing to let this small exchange of money wreck it. He says, this battle, it's not worth fighting in this moment. Because he knew that something greater was about to happen. And he didn't want to argue about a temple tax. Being right to Jesus wasn't worth it. He had a more important mission that he was on. And he didn't get sidetracked on these secondary issues. You see, I wish the church today could say the same. I wish we were known more about loving others and loving God than we are about some of the other issues that we spend time debating. This faith is not about being right. That's not the greatest commandment Jesus gave. You see, he wasn't consumed with being right. I wish I could say the same about his followers. Jesus wasn't investing in the temple. But what's the application then for us? I'm not going very long today. And I, but on July 2nd, we launched a, a giving tree campaign. If you, some of you guys were here, um, the picture might be on the screen. It's in the back, uh, the, in the big wall there. And we, as a community, our goal was to raise $30,000 that would allow us to update our extremely old, outdated, exhausted HVAC systems in the sanctuary. We also wanted to rebuild the kids' playground uh, out back. We wanted to provide curriculum for our three youth programs and a computer and some other parts that they needed. And we had a great first week. If you remember, I talked about it. We, we took in a little over $6,000 on the first Sunday and another 4,000 uh, envelopes were taken. But one of the things that we said was that this giving tree can't replace our weekly giving. That keeps this place running, the staff paid, the outreach continuing. And the first Sunday, everything seemed great. Weekly giving was, uh, was average that day. The, the envelopes collected there, fantastic. 
But over the next two weeks, his last two weeks, our general giving or giving uh, and all has, has had a significant drop. In fact, if you got my letter this week that I sent, it's been the lowest two-week total in 10 years. And so I reached out with a letter to as many email addresses I had. Um, if you didn't get it, give me your email address. Um, but I tried to be honest. I know some of you guys give me your like spam email addresses. Like, I want, you know, give me your real email address so I can send it. Um, <laughs> some of you like want you to give me an email address and have like the Grove in it. I know whether or not you have the Grove is a part of your email address or not. It's like a totally fake email address. Um, so anyways, I, I tried to be honest and transparent in that letter. And several of you stepped up. You went online and gave some stopped by the office and gave this week. Because we had bills that were due this week, and we had this first round of air conditioning being installed. Some of you feel that, like right now. You feel the difference from it was. You know. um, we were, uh, where we were financially, the bills and the air conditioning wasn't going to happen, right? Unless people stepped up, and you did. And in that letter, I made a point to say that, that I understand that there's this disconnect sometimes with giving money to pay for an air conditioner or for a new playground or a new computer, because if you're anything like me, you want to see your money go to helping people, changing lives, right? Transforming lives, needing, meeting needs in our community. And my hope was to show you that ultimately the money given wasn't going to a building, but allowing us to continue to be that place where people can come and discover God. And the AC and the heat are pieces of that. The kids need a safe place to play. The teens need tools that help them grow. And so I wanted you to be challenged to invest in the people who come to the Grove and may come, have come for the first time today or maybe next week for the first time. That we're able to share the gospel with them. And what is the gospel? What's well, the main message in this story? That before the money was paid, before the tax was collected, Jesus calls us sons and daughters of God. That we answer to him only. That we answer to God only. And before you found the money, the rent was paid. That if the answer to your prayer never comes, that if the miracle never happens, if the bills don't get paid, it doesn't affect whether or not you're a child of God. And with that comes a freedom. And it's not a freedom to not give. It's the opposite. It's actually that we're free to give. That we love others because God loved us first. But we don't, we don't charge a tax here, right? There's not a fee to pay on Sunday mornings. But you're invited to, to freely give. Every week there's an opportunity to, to give or to not give. The giving tree envelopes we set up, those represent needs in our church. And you're not required to give, but that, that, that makes giving so much better, right? That's the joy of giving. How do we become joyful and generous givers? Well, we give out of the freedom that we've been given, that no one is telling us what to do with our money, that we get to make a choice now, right? And I can ignore the needs, and that's fine. I'm not required to give. I, I'm exempt, right? But I choose to give anyways because I've been freed to do so. Free to give. Free not to stress about finances. Free from anxiety. And you don't have to give anything. Some of you have taken full advantage of that over the years. <laughs> right? Honest. We're in church. We've got to be honest, right? But there is something about giving and freedom. I don't have to give, but I want to give. 
I see a need and I could walk away and I can ignore it, but I'm moved and I'm compelled to give. But sometimes I think that hearing that from a pastor or from staff might not hit. And I think it's important for other people to tell that story too. So I asked a few people this week, a few families, if they would take a minute or two just to share with you how they found the Grove and what it means to them and their family. And so I, and I asked some of them to put it on video. And so I apologize for the audio and the vertical video syndrome that people have. It's when you hold your phone like that, videos. You just clap, everybody make the video, do it horizontal. Because your TVs are horizontal. And your movie screens are horizontal. All right, so. Does watch those videos? Like someone you know, they're holding it vertical. It's so annoying. Those, all right, so hold it. All right, anyways, I apologize for that. But then I'm going to have a couple people that are going to share on the mic. So I want you to watch these two first videos, and then I, then I got a friend that's going to share with you. Hi, we're Bill and Katie Travitz, and we're here to tell why we, or how we found the Grove, and a little bit about what it means to us. Um, we found the Grove back in 2004 or 2005, I believe, and a friend of ours introduced it to us. And since then, it's been the place where I actually came back to Christ um, after being away for quite some time. So um, it obviously means a great deal for me to be here. Um, it's one of those places where you can go and uh, be yourself and that everybody there is, uh, you know, they're we're all broken a bit, and uh, it's just a great place to go to feel completely accepted um, for who you are. And it's really been important to me. Uh, both of our kids grew up in the church there um, when they were really little is when we came. And so it's been a formative thing for them and helped pointed them on their journey to um, seek out Christ and um, find their own faith. And so it's been a really important part of, of the journey for us and the grove has been instrumental in that we've got some really great friends from the grove um we have a, f a family of grove people that we hang out with and uh it's been something that shaped our lives for over a decade now so um i think that's our story how are you guys doing this morning um i am tj this is star um, we have three beautiful children Jaden, Jocelyn, and Xander came to the Grove of March, what? 2010. Um, just came searching for a community of people to um, raise our children with. We were asked um, how we found the Grove, which was um, kind of by accident, and then what the Grove has meant to us. Which is a super complicated question. Um, and now that we're not living there, it's even more uh, difficult to answer. As a mother, the Grove has meant that my kids are being raised in a community. It's meant backpack missions and Jayden getting to go on a mission trip. Um, Childcare so that we could go to the small groups. It's meant the moments where we were doing life together, the um, work days and the events that we put on and the birthdays and the baby showers, Thanksgiving dinners. 
There was some messes in there. Also. There were some messes in there. <laughs> but, like, they found community. We found community. <laughs> but for my children, um, they found community. And it's been an amazing blessing to watch the way they take such ownership and pride in the growth in that community because they know that it's their place too. They belong there. We had a compliment a couple weeks ago that was amazing. A youth minister here told us how impressed they were uh, with Xander's enthusiasm during the lesson and that he genuinely knew that he was loved by God. And while I was so proud... I hadn't wanted to take the credit. Right, right. We can't take all the credit for that. Um, It's a direct result of the godly men and women in that church who have given so freely of themselves to teach um, that we are wonderfully and wholly made. And it starts in infancy in Wonderland, all the way through Upstreet and beyond and... It's been um, a beautiful blessing, a beautiful blessing. As a, as a wife and as uh, a couple, what the growth has meant to us is firm guidance and prayer, prayer, more prayer. Accountability. Um, accountability. Uh, people loving us and not giving up on us. People who, who are invested in Team Martin and wanted to see us as parents and us as Christians and us as a couple grow. Um, lots of patience. And as an individual, what the growth has meant to me is, um, I don't have a lot of words for this, but it's meant a home and a family um, camaraderie grace, patience and I know that since our seven years at the Grove um, I'll never be the same we love you guys have a blessed day I'm going to invite uh, Kevin to come up here and join me on stage. Uh, you may not recognize Kevin. Um, some of you do, it looks like. I heard some cheers. Kevin brought his fan club with him. Uh, Kevin and I met online because <laughs> he... <laughs> whoa, 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 people. He emailed me, all right? Come on, come on, come on, come on up here. Um, Kevin and his family uh, came to visit um, um, back in June. They brought the family up here. And um, they got to experience a Sunday with no ACs at all. And so they got to be one, with one of our hot su- Sundays. And uh, Kevin reached out to me just with, uh, um, he noticed the need. And he, and he had some things to say that were like, to me as a pastor, like he gets it. He, he, he understands how much more it was than, than the heat of the AC. And so instead of just reading his emails, I, I invited Kevin to, to speak. He was going to be in town. I didn't know he was going to be in town. He just happened to be in town this week. And so he's, uh, he's going to share. I'm going to give him the mic and he's going to share. And then we got a couple more videos we'll show. Uh, my name's Kevin. This is my wife, Fran. We're, we're newly married. We got married April Fool's Day. It kind of tells us a lot who we are. Uh, we're from Florida. Don't judge me, okay? All right. 
Um, we're comers and goers. We've been coming up here, um, my family up here since 1959. We have a place over in Alarca, and we love it here in Bryson City. Um, we were looking for a place that kind of resembled our church. From we live in a little community called Palm City, and there's some other Palm City folks that come and go too that are here too. But uh, we were searching for churches, and we, I used to go to the Methodist Church for years downtown and so forth, and we were trying different churches out. Not that, not that they weren't great people, they were, but it just didn't click with us. And so we, asked, we, we weren't asking the right questions where to go, and so we asked our neighbor, Opal, and she says, well, you got to go over to the Grove. You know, that's, you know, because I said, well, do they have like coffee and cookies and stuff? They go, yeah, I go, that's got to be it. That's got to be, <laughs> that's got to be our place, you know, and so... Uh, we made it over here, and um, since then, we as we come, we we all if we're here on Sunday, we always make sure we're here. And so last uh, last June, um, we were, we 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 spread. Our, our, I had my family here. My father passed away. He was our patriarch of our mountain, and uh, we spread his ashes. A whole we had like twenty some people here in, in June, and it was hot. And I was sitting all sweaty, and I'm thinking like this is this is not good, you know, and and uh, and. And Jeff's sermon was amazing. And so um, there was a something just like epiphany that hit me. I said, I've been coming to this church. It's what, I, it's what we want. It's what we like. It's what we know at, at back home. And it resembles us and who we, who we are. And I said, at what point do you go from a guest to become a participant, a member? And that had epiphany that day, even with the sweat running all over me. So I got my family together, and I said, you know what? This church needs help, and we, and we want to be it, and I want to I be a part of it. And so I got, I got my family to, to help do that. And so um, you're probably not going to know me by name after a while because, really, I'm just going to be Fran's husband. <laughs> so, oh, I, I know that guy. He's Fran's husband because she's the one, really, that is the personality and and, and, and is, is wonderful, and she's beautiful. So. But I, I thank you for allowing me and my family, and I have, I have her family here. We have another reunion going on, so we have like another 20 people here to share the Grove. And uh, thank you so much. Uh. Since 1959, coming to Alarca, I bet every time you go there, you still feel like 1959. <laughs> Just kidding. I love Alarca. It does feel like you're going back in time, though, right? So um, let me show you a couple more videos, and then, and then I'm going to invite the band to come up and kind of close us. Hey, I'm Tim Zorda. I'm an elder at the church. This is my wife, Melinda, and not in this video are our four children, Natalie Six. Claire Four and the twins, uh, Zeke and Lila. Uh, Jeff asked us to speak a little bit about how we found the Grove. We've been going to the Grove for seven years now, and we came to North Carolina when I was 28 weeks pregnant with Natalie, our first child. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I probably, I think I saw a billboard, and I thought, oh, that looks kind of like maybe the kind of church we'd like to attend. So we decided we'd go ahead and try it out. Uh, we came and were immediately embraced by the church and the church family. And uh, we had 
even after we had Natalie, we barely had been there that long and people were bringing us food and, and just took us under their wing. And since then we've been, been with the church for seven years. Yeah, we love the community. Uh, we love the worship. Uh, we love, uh, for me, it was one of the priorities we came, we got out here from Colorado to try to find a church uh, that fit us. And one of the things I think we love most is the action, being the hands and feet. Uh, we've been a part of a lot of churches that, you know, they were doing some things on some levels, but, uh, you know, the Grove and, and being out there really putting the money where their mouth is. Uh, Jeff's preaching and the worship team uh, is, is excellent and just a place where people can come and, and feel welcome. Uh, you know, all the different things uh, that they do from the Guatemala missions trips to feeding people at Asheville. Uh, we're also active in the back and, and that piece of it uh, and just seeing the impact that the church and the Grove has on, on lives. And, uh, and our children. We're still happy to be there and... Uh, yeah, can't wait to see what the future holds. The Rakowskis. I'm Helen. I'm Kayla. I'm Derek. I'm Harper. And we first found the Grove, just kind of saw the church on a billboard and saw what uh, the church does in the community and decided to give it a try. And the things we like about it are how willing everyone is to go out of their way for anybody and how welcoming they are, but especially how they'll get outside of church and help any community in need, no matter how far it is. And they're just amazing. What do you guys like about the kids' program? I like that I get to see all my friends and I get to learn new things about God. What do you like, Colin? Uh, I like watching TV and learning about it cut off right before she said air conditioning and new playground. <laughs> so we'll have to, I don't know what happened there. I'm going to invite the band to join me on stage. We're going to, we're going to pray. Um, the band's got a couple songs and a couple stories to share with you as well. And um, this will be our giving moment kind of a thing. Um, uh, we want you to take an opportunity to, to be a part of this place, to invest in things greater than this building. Um, and, and know that you're not investing in ultimately the money. Um, it may look like it's cooling the building. It may look like it's a playground. It may look like um, a computer. But actually, it's, it's lives being changed. And, and, and whether it's in here or in the back or with the kids' programs, um, we can't do it without all of us doing it together. And so I, we don't do a lot of giving messages here where we take the whole day to do it. But I felt it was important to kind of maybe stop and reboot and, and remember why we're here as a community to, to collectively um, uh, do life together. And this is the way we do it. And so um, there's envelopes. There's uh, connect cards at your tables. There's the serve cards for sand and sauce. And as a the dinner for eight, ways for you to uh, engage in the community and in the, in the giving trees in the back and on the way out today you can stop by there and see what what maybe you can do to help uh provide so let me pray um and then we'll let the band go god thank you so much for who you are for this story that you allow us to engage in where you teach us that there are greater things uh, at risk there um and the truth is is that sometimes it requires uh money to to make things happen and to move into into to, to allow your your mission and your vision to 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 come through and 
God, use us. Use this place. Use what we have, our hands, use our feet, the things we know how to do, um, because you're going to show up in it. And it may look at one time like a coin in the mouth of a fish, and other times it looks like a, a check written into a, um, an air conditioner and a, and a playground and a computer. Um, but God, these are the things that are allowing us to be who we are and to do what you called us to do. So God, use us in this moment as we give back, as we worship um, with what you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so uh, I was asked to, to also share my experience. I feel like I lucked out <clears throat> in finding this place. I guess I would have found it eventually, but we had... Um, my husband and I had moved away and had our daughter and moved back. Um, for those of you that don't know, he, my husband's an atheist, so that's always uh, hard for me in a way of, like, just kind of feeling alone. Like, I can't go home and just, you know, talk about the most important thing in my life. So, anyway, one night, one Saturday evening, we had had a potluck. We had friends over for dinner, and I mentioned to somebody who doesn't go to church that I was going to try another new church. Um, the next morning, I had been to a lot of the churches in this area. None of them were a good fit, and I had, I had stopped. And then after having our daughter, I really wanted to get plugged in. Um, and I said, I don't even remember now what church I said I was going to go to, but she said, no, you need to go to my mom's church. And it was here. And I'd been, all the times I'd visited churches, uh, I would kind of come a little bit late, like the whole greeting thing in the morning where people, I don't know, it just never seemed genuine. And so I would come late and leave early, and this time coming here, I literally knew before I walked up the steps, it was, it was powerful. And, um, and I just felt genuine, it just, I just felt a genuine love and a genuine faith. And it, it really has meant so much to me. I got plugged in with a small group right away and made some really important friendships. And that was when I learned, I've, 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 I've been a believer my whole life. I don't ever remember not believing. I don't have a moment, but, um, but I didn't realize what an intimate relationship with God was until coming here. And that just continues to evolve. I think I've been here for 11 or 12 years. And, and I just all the time am blown away by how much I learn about God and, and his love for us and his plan for us and all of that. Um, so that's meant a lot to me. I, you guys are like family and I love learning alongside of you. And I love giving alongside of you. I love that this place gives us the opportunity to, to be the hands and feet of God. And um, I, when we are out into our community doing stuff, you, it's everybody's so passionate about it. So, like, you go to give to other people, and I feel like I bring so much back because I get to know the people that I go with better and all that sort of thing. Um, I wrote down a couple things that I think this church is. I, I think this church is a living breathing thing. And I think that it, it grows and it changes and it stumbles and it seeks and it learns, it reaches, it sees, it hears, it cries and celebrates. Um, it's bold and brave and humble. And of course, that's not the building. That's us. That's this community and this family. And, and I love being a part of it. And I love sharing in all of those experiences with you guys.
into Bryson City from the Gorge. Uh, it was about 2008, roughly. Um, and this church kind of found us. Uh, AJ grew up in church, and I did not. And we were working in Mountain Perks, and we were working on Sundays. And people kept coming in after church from here, um, coming in and talking to us and inviting us. And I was like, somebody's got to work. Um, <laughs> I wasn't really interested in... Uh, and going to church, I, I needed a paycheck. But um, I also remember that when I've been in restaurant business for a long time, and those after church people were always my least favorite people <laughs> to to tend to. Um, and the people from this church changed my mind about this. It got to be where we were excited to see people from the Grove come in after church. Uh, they it wasn't because they actually tipped; it was because they <laughs> that helps. But it was because of how kind they were, and they didn't, you know, they had no problems where where I had been in my life and, and the things that I had done, and it didn't matter. Just like kind of everybody has said, we showed up as we were and were accepted, were fully accepted. And this is the first church that I have felt like really got the, you know, come and and belong and believe in all of those things in the right order. So many churches want you to believe, and then you can belong. And this church gave me an opportunity to find out for myself where I was with God. And they invited me in before I knew what that looked like. So um, 
it was really good. And I love the family aspect of this because I don't just have somebody new. I don't just have a whole bunch of new friends. I have a, a whole bunch of people now that I can celebrate the joyful things in my life with and that I can uh, crown for the sad things in my life. And I had so many friends and family before I started going to this church that often I would say, you know, why, why am I doing this? Like, really, I could just drive home four hours to Georgia on the weekends and see my family and, and be with everybody there. And uh, in 2010, a lot of you know that my mother committed suicide. And it was kind of at that moment that I realized that this church and God had found me before the most tragic thing I would go through. Yet, I'm sure there will be more tragedies. It found me before that happened. And because of that, I feel like I dealt with the whole thing a lot differently than I would have had I not had this support group, this faith, these friends, this family. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys to stand with us. We're going to play one last worship song. Um, and I want you to sing it with us. The last time I sang this song was at my mother's funeral. Um, and... It was in Georgia. It's four hours from here. But I felt so, in a time where I should have felt so sad and weak and alone, I didn't feel any of those things. But it was because of this church. And I look up. I'm standing in front of the casket. And I look up and I see Jeff and Dawn and so many people, friends from this church, drove down. Jeff got together a van and drove down. And I just... I love this place, and I love what it has been, not just for me, but for you guys and for the people outside of this church. Like, it makes me, I just want to bring everybody in here. Be like, check this out. This is great. Be a part of this family. So it's not just one of us. It's not the building. It's all of us together. It's what we do with our gifts. It's what we do with our faith. It's what we do with our time, our money. There's everything that we do means something, not just to ourselves, not just to God, but to everybody. Like, we're in this together. We're all in this together. This is the This is the air I breathe.
just for a moment if I can get four people to help me with the baskets um, I don't have a lot more to say um, I'm hoping these stories have spoken for me um, this as a as a pastor I, you know I, I, I struggle wrestle with the idea you know that I don't want to manipulate people I don't want to guilt people into giving that you know that's the story people don't go to church because all they talk about is money um, that's not the hope today the hope is that you would see this place is, is, is means a lot to a lot of people, to you um, and to people that are not even here and don't even know it yet. This place is going to mean a lot to them too. And so, um, but we need everyone to be a part of it. I don't need uh, everyone just to give today and then, all right, we're good. No, I mean, this is a part of you engaging fully. And yes, it looks financially at sometimes. It looks volunteer sometimes, things like that. There's so much that takes place and people give and sacrifice all week long to make this place what it is. And uh, we're encouraging and inviting everyone to be a part of it because it's fun. It's, we love it, you know, and, and I think you, you do too. So I'm going to pray and we're going to pass the baskets and then uh, um, we're going to release you back to the community. God, thank you for who you are. Again, take our gifts, take our talents, take our hearts, our thoughts, our mind, our, our strength and use it for your kingdom to proclaim the truth, mercy and grace that before the tax is paid before the check is written. You have called us your beloved sons and daughter. We live in that. May we proclaim that to the world. In your name we pray. Amen. The baskets are going to pass. And once they get to the back, you're free to go um, and be the grove. <laughs>